Experience the beauty of the Rose City by doing the Portland Marathon presented by OHSU Health. The race boasts four epic bridge crossings, a downtown start and finish, and a tour through the most iconic landmarks and neighborhoods. Use code AMR for $10 off registration at portlandmarathon.com. Prioritize your mental health and well-being with BetterHelp Online Therapy. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com AMR. Start living a better life today. We're pleased to once again partner with Curex, the number one insole in the run specialty retail market, meaning in running stores, it's the top selling brand of insoles. It's no wonder. Curex insoles are highly customized and provide dynamic arch support. For 15% off, visit curex.us and use code AMR15. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Tish Hamilton. Hello, Tish. Hello, Sarah. How are you today? Good, good. So you had um, some exciting stuff over the weekend starting a move. Is that right? Yes, yes. I um, started to move. I'm putting my house on the market and starting to move clutter from my house down to my boyfriend's house in Savannah. Mm -hmm. So from New Jersey to Savannah. Yeah, yeah, quite the drive. Wow. Yes. So so tell listeners, what is the why the timing of this? (laughs) Well, my daughter is going to college in September, and she's going to college just 30 miles from home. So I said, you know, all right, well, if you're not moving for college, I'll have to move for college. (laughs) That's the joke around my house. (laughs) And you're going to beat that joke into the ground. (laughs) I love a good joke beaten into the ground. (laughs) Uh, it probably won't come to surprise to you or your listeners that um uh, real estate in savannah georgia is way more affordable than real estate in central new jersey suburb of new york city greater new york city area Mm -hmm. and that combining you know combining our houses is way makes way more economic sense than keeping two houses you know, I just miss him. So yes. there's, there's that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, <laughs> there's that. Because <laughs> how long have you all been long distance? Four years now. Wow. And how long have yeah. you been together? Seven years. So more than half of it. Yeah. And, you know, pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, we were going back and forth. Like once a month, I'd go down there and it, for a week. And once a month, he'd come up here for a week. Mm. But then, you know, it got it got complicated as mm-hmm. everybody's lives did over the past couple of years. And mm-hmm. um, so anyway, uh, we're both looking forward to, to being together in one place. Yes, that's very exciting. I, uh, my husband, Jack, and I were long distance for not all that, not very long at all, but oh gosh, just, the, uh, and this was um, pre uh, 9-11, so you could just hop on an airplane, you know, oh, with hardly right. a moment's notice. And I remember one, one Saturday, I just missed him so much. I was in San Francisco, he was in Chicago. And so I had a bunch of miles on United. I was on a plane packed and on a plane in like three hours. Oh, wow. (laughs) I remember I parked in uh, the long-term lot and I just missed the bus. And so there was this guy driving a really nice Mercedes convertible. And I was like, hey, hey, could I get a ride to the terminal? (laughs) Did he give it to you? Yes, he did. Oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) I 
think maybe because of you know the the top was down so i could communicate with them and maybe i also thought in the back of my mind you know i could always hop out if something That's right toward <laughs> started happening yeah well he has a mercedes convertible so you're kind of banking on maybe it's not gonna happen <laughs> right 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 <laughs> oh my god so so many questions sprung to my mind when you told me that you were moving to savannah the obviously you know your daughter going to school so close and now it won't be so close that was one of them but also what about your your best running teacher friend i know i have friends right <laughs> i have my, my running friend i'll certainly miss her and i'll miss running with her uh and i you know i have another dear friend jody who i've known from through the running club for more than 30 years now i think wow. and wow. You know, she lives close by too so I'll have to um, entice them to come visit me in Savannah. And yes. another friend, Yashane, who's not that close. She, I mean, oh, yeah. a very close friend, but not that close distance-wise. But she, you know, she and I meet up every, uh, you know, every couple of months and go for a hike. We're both about, you know, about uh, forty-five minutes from each other. So I oh. certainly will miss those friends. But um, uh, yeah. you know, love trumps all. Uh, well, so do economics. <laughs> if I if I could Let's afford <laughs> if I could afford to keep this house, I would. And if oh. I you know afford mm -hmm. to stay in two places, that would be wonderful. But that's not in the cards with the co college tuition. Well, and there's always Airbnbs, you know. So yeah, right. Uh, and there's lots of Airbnb. Really, I mean, Savannah's the place to go for an Airbnb. In fact, my boyfriend owns one. So oh, everybody nice. come to Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. And and all jokes aside, how does your daughter feel about you uh, suddenly moving all that distance away when she'll be in New York City for school? Yeah, you know, um, so it's not suddenly to her. Uh, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time. And mm -hmm. she's, she's so focused on her goal of going to New York City, right? Mm -hmm. That's, you know, and, and um, so she can't wait to go to college, can't wait to go to New York City. And Savannah, as she said more than once, Savannah is a really cool place to visit. Uh, <laughs> yes, you know, is. so it's it's a good place to come to, and it's you know a direct flight from Newark, so it's easy to get there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she does have her dad in this area, right? And he, he'll he'll always be here, so right, so because it, it's okay. Yeah, I did start thinking about that. I'm like, oh wait, but now when she comes home from school break you know she won't have the friends i'm like oh yeah, yeah her dad still lives in the area so she can yeah. see her parents yeah. yeah 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 good 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 yeah well i i mean I, I say you know follow your heart and the dollar signs tish and i think <laughs> <laughs> i think it's a smart well, it'll be conveniently closer for the um, hilton head retreat, hilton so. head retreat exactly yes <laughs> there you go next no in november 2023 we'll have a long time to wait but uh Yes, that is that is good. Finally, get you over there for that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I'll put that oh. on my calendar to look forward to. Yes, good, good. So, well, today we are talking about thyroid health and runners, and it was actually recommended by our first guest, who's an endocrinologist. And just, I don't know about you, Tish, but it seems like every week some woman runner I know is saying that she just got diagnosed with this thyroid condition or that thyroid condition. Do you, do yeah. you think I'm, yeah. Yes, I, 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 I hear that. And, and as we'll talk about with our doctor, there's so many different kinds of thyroid conditions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it can also go undiagnosed for so long. So these will be interesting things to ask our doctor about. 
Yes, 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 yes. So I just figured it's, um, uh, you know, something that applies to a lot of people. Again, um, a little bit like our bone health episode a couple weeks ago, it doesn't sound like the world's most sexy topic, but I think uh, it's always interesting to hear about um, these different things and to um, learn more about a condition that might affect yourself or a friend, you know, your best running friend, whatever. So we will talk with a good doctor and then I'll be talking with a mother runner with a newly diagnosed thyroid condition after this break. Stick around. Hear that? It's Portland, the Rose City, beckoning you to take part in the Portland Marathon presented by OHSU Health, happening this year on Sunday, October 2nd. It's the race's 50th anniversary. I ran the Portland Marathon a dozen years ago, and this is not the same course. The new course is so scenic and lovely, showcasing all our wonderful city has to offer, including four epic bridge crossings over the Willamette River, a downtown start and finish, and a tour through our beautiful neighborhoods and past the city's most iconic landmarks. Friendly Portland residents and rowdy Reed College students will cheer you on. The courses for both the full and the half marathons are fast, beautiful, and a fantastic way to experience the Rose City. And how about this? The start-finish line for both courses is a mere 36 feet above sea level and a maximum course elevation of a mere 178 feet. As I mentioned, this year's races are extra special as it's the 50th anniversary of the Portland Marathon, and AMR will have a booth at the Expo. Be part of this major milestone on October 2nd, 2022. Register at portlandmarathon.com and use code AMR for $10 off registration. Register today. There's a price increase on June 29. Don't delay. Register this month by going to portlandmarathon.com and using code AMR for $10 off registration. Our shop gal, Dana, and I were just commiserating. Turns out we're both feeling overwhelmed and down. Maybe it's the end of the school year, or maybe it's Mars being in retrograde. Huh. All jokes aside, our burnout is real, and I suspect you can relate. Life can be, is, overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms of burnout can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and more. Dana and I talked about how burnout can be related to work, but it's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feel burned out, and BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone other than a colleague can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. For me, one great thing about talk therapy is it helps me see a path forward that had been obscured by overwhelm or confusion. Talking to a professional helps me remember what's truly important and how I can find more space in my life for the things and people that matter most to me, which sometimes is myself. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Thanks to BetterHelp's continued sponsorship of this podcast, AMR listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com AMR. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot AMR betterhelp.com slash AMR for 10% off your first month. Curex, the final step to better running. The past two summers, I've told you about Curex insoles, the number one insole in the run specialty retail market. Meaning in running stores, it's the top selling brand of insoles. It's no wonder. Curex Run Pro insoles are highly customized and provide dynamic arch support. I know there's a lot of add to your shoe options, yet insoles shouldn't just be cushioning and shouldn't only be stiff like a custom orthotic. Curex delivers the best of both these options. Curex RunPro insoles have flexible support with just the right level of rigidity. They have a thin, low profile, yet still deliver maximum support and comfort. Curex RunPro insoles are available in three profiles, high, medium, and low. 
I have high arches, so my feet, knees, hip, and back are grateful I added Curex Run Pro insoles to my shoes and Curex Ace Pro insoles for my, say it with me, pickleball shoes. Okay, okay, they're court shoes. Once you become a believer in Curex Run Pro insoles like me, you'll want to check out the brand's other options. Curex offers the largest line of sport activity specific insoles from Cleat Pro for soccer or baseball, Hike Pro for hiking, Support Step for walkers, and even Work Pro for on their feet professions, plus golf, hockey, and skiing too. Try Curex risk-free today. The company offers a 60-day warranty, even if the product has been cut to fit your shoes. Visit curex.us and use code AMR15 for 15% off a pair of Curex insoles. That's C-U-R-R-E-X dot U-S with code AMR15 for 15% off. Curex U-S at code AMR15. Our first guest is Fawn Wolf, MD, an endocrinologist here in Portland and a mother of two school-age kiddos, an avid runner. I've seen her doing it. Um, <laughs> Dr. Wolf, Fawn, is running a marathon this very weekend on That's Saturday. Right. Yep. So thanks for joining me in studio, Fawn. Yeah, thanks so much, Sarah and Tish. How are you both doing this morning? Good, good, good. good. So Fawn, it's so cool that you're uh, running a marathon this weekend, but, but back us up a little bit and tell us about how you got started running. Yeah. Yeah. I have been running on and off. Really, it seems like most of my life. Uh, I just have to tell a quick story. My dad and I would run together when we were when I was little. I was probably about five years old. And I remember we would always run together on this boardwalk down in Naples, Florida, when we go visit my uh, grandparents. It was just something we did together. And then the very first race I did was a 5K. And I think it was probably about six years old. And this was, you know, long before the internet, of course. And so there was no <laughs> sign up ahead of time. It was just in one of our local metro parks. And so we show up for this race. We're excited to do it together. And we realized once we get there, it's a women's only race. And so he wasn't allowed <laughs> to race. And so I was six years old. He said, well, do you want to do it? I said, okay, sure. So, but I am horrible. I have a horrible sense of direction. I'm fine if it's a grid, but anything other than a grid and I am getting lost. And I think I was that way even then. So <laughs> the main thing, I wasn't worried about the distance. I wasn't worried about finishing it, but I was worried about getting lost. And so I just like, <laughs> I, I chose this one woman ahead of me and I just like stared at her butt the entire time. I was like, do not look away. Do not look away. As long as you look at this woman, you're going to be fine. You're not going to get lost. And I remember thinking recently, like, why was I staring at her backside? But it was because of a You're six. so short. Yeah, exactly. It was the, <laughs> the eye level. What was eye level? So finished the race and, and it was all fine. I didn't get lost. Um, but yeah, my dad and I grew up running together. And I was thinking about this recently as well. He, um, I always knew that he would go running with his work friends at lunch. Huh. And that was just part of, you know, what I knew that he did. And then, you know, go, you get through different stages in your life and you see things from different perspectives. And I was thinking about it recently and just kind of thinking about him. So he would have been in his mid thirties at that time. He's turning 76 tomorrow. Happy oh. birthday, dad. Um, so he would have been in his mid six thirties at that's a time he had, uh, you know, two young girls at home. His wife, my mom had um, type one diabetes, which oh. is part of what brought me into endocrinology. Um, and for anybody who lives with type one diabetes themselves or has a family member or a close uh, friend, you know, it's a, it's a big part of your life. It's very stressful. You never get to take a break from it. It's, it's just uh, always there. So I was just thinking about this recently. You know, he, he was again, a working full time, two young kids, wife with a, a chronic condition that he was helping to take care of. And he had this time with his friends at lunch every day. Mm. And you know, what a wonderful outlet. I'm so thankful that he had that time. 
And it just made me realize he was one of the original, you know, what's the, the paternal version of Bammer, yeah. like yeah. batter Bammer, the badass daddy runner, basically. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't work as well for uh, as it does for the women. But anyway, so he and I grew up running together. Um, I ran kind of on and off in my 20s. I did one marathon, uh, you know, my early 30s. It was a one and done. I was never going to do it again. It was pretty mm -hmm. miserable. And then I really started running more consistently once I had my second child seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And I started listening to your podcast and I became Yay. part of the community and just loved it. Um, build up a stronger base this time. I didn't do the quite the couch to marathon plan <laughs> that I did the first time around. And uh, just uh, have been really running consistently the last seven years and just it's become part of my identity. I love it. It mm -hmm. you know got me through the pandemic, all those wonderful things. So yeah, I'm very much appreciative. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's super cool. So this the marathon that you're doing this weekend, is this the first one uh, th that you've done post having kids? No, no. I've, so this will be my sixth marathon. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've been doing about one a year. Yeah. And, and it's Newport Marathon out at the Oregon coast, flat, right. fast. A lot of people go out there to that's qualify hope. for Boston. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's right. Very scenic. So, yeah. Uh, that's exciting. Okay. So the last time I think that you and I saw each other was in the winter. It was dark. You recognized me somehow by my lights or something, or no, you said my hat and my hair. That's right. No, it was, yeah, it was a dark, cold morning in Northeast Portland at like, oh, dark hundred hours. And we were the only two people out there. And you're like, Sarah. I'm sure it was raining. Yeah. But we were, I was running and I think you were backlit because there was a, a street light uh -huh. and I recognized the silhouette of your hair with your running cow. I was like, I think that's Sarah Bonchet. Um, so, all right. So we were not, um, you know, approached by any wildlife but you oh, have time. been uh yes it sounds like an episode of the staircase on oh, hbo but yeah um you got attacked by an owl or yeah uh, yeah you, I would so, so. So, so we need to do a little detour and tell us that <laughs> yeah that's uh all right i gotta do some deep breathing here as we go through this story <laughs> no so i was uh i was doing more trail runs last fall i actually did the run the rock um 50k at smith rock the beautiful oh, location yeah. where i think a uh, future yeah. site of one of your retreats yes um so i was running out in forest park our wonderful urban uh you know old growth forest here and luckily it was towards the end of it, but I was running and then all of a sudden I, uh, I it felt like I'd been hit by a, a heavy branch, like a sizable branch, you know, not a twig, but I was, I, I got hit in the head and then I was looking around the ground because I was expecting to see something with like a six inch diameter, mm -hmm. you know, log basically having hit my head and I didn't see anything. I was like, oh, that's so weird. And I looked up and I saw an owl just kind of staring at me and I, it crossed my mind. It's like, was that that? And I thought, no, that couldn't have been. Oh. And then all of a sudden it disappeared and then I felt something claw my head again. And oh. this time I, I saw this huge owl fly, you know, directly away from my head, <laughs> wingspan of, you know, feet. I don't know how long. Um, and it, it terrified me. It was so freaky. Yes. And so, and then it, it flew up to a branch and then it was like staring down at me. And then I, I, I just, I was like screaming. And I think I was, I was like, no, no. Like looking at it, like <laughs> not going to do that again. Um, and then I got home and I had this little, you know, uh, bump on the top of my head and I was reading about it. And I wondered if maybe I'd run, run by, you know, a, a nest and there mm -hmm. was some, it was a mom being maternal or something like that, which I totally would have understood. Um, but apparently uh, the young male adolescents in the fall practice their swooping. Oh my and gosh. Female runners with ponytails <laughs> that, that, are that likely- That's why you told me that story in the dark yes. because I have short hair and not a ponytail. Not a ponytail, yeah. <laughs> so that stuck with me for a while. That was, 
that and then it was uh, about a month later i got swooped again in irvington oh. right near where we live uh-huh um again early morning hours it's it didn't hit me quite so hard that time but it swooped it grazed the top of my head and i saw it fly off so it happened twice in a month that is oh my gosh yeah. lightning striking twice wow yeah yeah i mean you definitely hear about owls doing that to you know you see it on next door you know don't sure. run near you know this corner of irving park there's a you know a yeah irving mother, park's known for them. mother owl that type of thing right so yeah but wow. those male adolescents i don't know practicing right. their swooping i know it's <laughs> like on. go play roblox dude yeah right yeah exactly yeah leave me alone <laughs> You know, you two, I, I, this might be a Portland specific story because I've never heard of this. <laughs> it might be. It may be. Yeah. But now we've struck fear in everyone listening. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, you know, I run through a, a wildlife refuge that's full of birds. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Now yeah. I've got to worry about owls. <laughs> Tuck up your ponytail. Yeah. I ran with a hat for a long time for that reason. I don't like running with hats, but anyway, yeah. yeah wouldn't like being attacked by an owl either. <laughs> no. Okay. So anyway, back to the subject at hand. Right. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about, so I saw on uh, in a bio that you went to med school in um, Ohio. Is that right? And then I did your internship and residency in Portland where you stayed despite being attacked by owls. <laughs> um, but, but what I really want to ask you about is, um, is like what you mentioned choosing your field of study a little bit because of your, your mother's um, diabetes type one, but then also why you recommended the topic of thyroid and thyroid health to Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think I'm in the middle of this because it's my field, but I just, thyroid disease is so fascinating. It causes a wide range of symptoms. We can often help people feel better, but I feel like thyroid more than any uh, other <laughs> condition, there's so much misinformation online mm. and everywhere. Um, and this uh, this was something that funny that happened too. It was my very first day of my endocrine fellowship, which is the training that you do after residency to become a, a specialist. And I was doing it up at OHSU, our academic center here in Portland. And there's no parking up there, so you take the bus. And so my very first day, I sat down uh, to get up to OHSU, and I looked over the woman I was sitting next to, had a book in her lap, and it was called uh, Thyroid Disease, What Your Doctor Isn't Telling You. Mm. And I thought, wow, <laughs> that's a pretty <laughs> striking start to my training here. Um, so there's a lot of misinformation, and I think, and I understand you know, where it comes from, because thyroid disease causes a lot of various symptoms that all of us have at, at different points. And so, um, uh, but I think with just a little bit of background and, and basic knowledge about what we do know about the thyroid health and disease, uh, it can clear up a lot of those misconceptions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to mix in some questions from our Facebook community, starting with this one from Siobhan. And she says, um, how are the normal thyroid reference values determined? And she, you know, she says, because for some things, they're, um, the standard levels are for 18 to 24 year old men. Right. Um, so have those standards been updated to a different, uh, address differences for women, people of different ages? Um, uh, you know, she, she says as a middle-aged woman, you know, she kind of wants to dive a little deeper into it with her doctor. Sure. Yeah. That's a great question. 
So I think to to talk about this, we need to to do a little bit of endocrinology one on one, just in terms of what labs we look at with the thyroid and how we interpret them, and then we'll talk about the reference ranges. Uh, so we've got the pituitary gland, and that's the master hormone gland that sits just behind the eyes and the nose, and that basically monitors the functions of all the other hormone glands in your body. So it's it's watching the thyroid and how it's working, the adrenals, the ovaries, uh, growth hormone production all of these things. And so basically the pituitary gland makes a hormone called TSH, mm -hmm. which is a hormone we'll talk a lot about today. And that's thyroid stimulating hormone. So it stimulates the thyroid to make thyroid hormone. And then the thyroid itself makes uh, T4 is the main thyroid hormone that it makes. Uh, and then it makes a little bit of T3, which is the active hormone. But most of the T3 in your body comes from your body converting the T4 into T3. So the thyroid mainly makes T4. Uh, which comes up again when we talk about thyroid hormone replacement. Uh, so the way we look at thyroid function, uh, it actually is less valuable to look at the T4 levels themselves. You would think that'd be the most helpful because they're the actual thyroid levels. Um, but for a variety of reasons that have to do with variability person to person and the interplay of antibodies and protein and nutrition, all of these things, the TSH is actually the most useful. Um, the pituitary is exquisitely sensitive at detecting even tiny changes in thyroid hormone production. So if the thyroid is just a little bit overactive, a little bit underactive, you're not going to see it yet in a change in the T4, but the pituitary is going to make more or less TSH basically to try to get the thyroid to stay in line. The pituitary is trying to get the thyroid to make the right amount of thyroid hormone. And again, it's coming from your brain. It's very uh, good at knowing what is the normal amount for you, because that could be different than the normal amount for me, basically. Mm. And so if your thyroid is becoming a bit underactive, it's not making enough T4, your pituitary is going to recognize that and it's going to make more TSH to try to stimulate the thyroid and make mm. more thyroid hormone. Again, the thyroid stimulating hormone. So when our thyroid glands are underactive, TSH goes up. When the thyroid gland is uh, overactive, TSH goes down because mm. again, pituitary is trying to calm down or quiet down mm -hmm. uh, the thyroid gland. So when we look at the TSH, uh, the way we uh, come up with the quote unquote normal ra uh, range is to look at the middle 95% of the population, basically. Mm -hmm. So the bottom 2.5 percentile and the top 2.5 percentile are going to be the outliers and then the mid normal range, the mid 95, mid 95%. Um, and the TSH has been uh, developed over years and years. So I wouldn't be surprised if the first generation TSH assay was based on <laughs> young men, uh, probably young white men. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. um, but we're now uh, using the third generation TSH assay. It's become highly sensitive. We can pick up on super tiny uh, changes in TSH levels. And probably, and TSH can change a bit uh, with age. Um, but the biggest thing when they do these studies to try to figure out what a normal TSH is, is that they are, they, they focus on making sure they're not including anybody with even mild uh, thyroid disease or even a predisposition, predisposition to thyroid disease in their studies. So they want to take, you know, subjects who are perfectly healthy thyroid function, where do their TSH lies? And at this point, I can say, yes, the TSH reference ranges we have certain include uh, women and uh, uh, different age, age ranges. Mm -hmm. okay. There's a couple of times where your TSH range maybe shouldn't follow the reference range that we get. And one is with pregnancy. So we do use a different reference range for women who are pregnant. Um, and then the other is uh, as we age. Mm -hmm. So interestingly, the normal TSH can actually rise a little bit with age. Um, and so I would say if anything, uh, 
you know, if we use the same reference range for everybody, you might tend towards even over diagnosing mm. uh, thyroid disease in people in their 50s and 60s and beyond mm -hmm. um, uh, because of that little bit of rising with age. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Okay, so we read a pretty staggering statistic, which is 60% of those with thyroid disease are unaware of their condition. So is that true? Yeah, it sounds pretty dramatic, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, well, I think when you read something like that, uh, one, you have to ask, how are they defining thyroid disease? So I can say for sure, I don't, I, I don't think that 60% of people with thyroid disease that are that's actually causing them symptoms and causing them morbidity, health problems, are unaware of their thyroid diagnosis. Um, what I think is probably true uh, is that 60% of people with some diagnosable thyroid issue, maybe not know that they have it. And honestly, that that might be okay. So uh, because they're probably including thyroid nodules in that group. So thyroid nodules are benign uh, bumps in the thyroid for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, a good 50% of women in our 40s and 50s and beyond have thyroid nodules. If you look at if you look for them with a with a fine tune uh, ultrasound. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the time, they're just going to sit there and not cause you any problems, um, kind of like a you know a freckle on the skin. It's just going to sit there, generally not grow. The vast majority are benign. So I think probably that figure is referencing some of that. And then there's also um, a, this concept of subclinical or mild thyroid disease, uh, which sometimes just reverts back to normal if left untreated and often doesn't cause symptoms. So I would imagine that's in that 60% as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So you, you alluded to hypothyroidism before. So could you explain in the simplest terms as possible, um, English major over here, um, uh, what it is and how it presents itself, especially among active women? Right, yeah. So hypo, meaning low, so hypothyroidism. Um, generally we spe speaking, we're talking about the thyroid itself uh, not being able to make enough thyroid hormone. For whatever reason, there's a variety of, of causes there. Um, so thyroid hormone production goes down. And again, TSH is going to go up in response because the pituitary is trying to make the thyroid, make more thyroid hormone. Um, the interesting thing is that every single cell in your body uses thyroid hormone. So oh. when the levels are low or high, every part of your body can be affected. And generally speaking, when the thyroid hormone levels are too low, things slow down which doesn't sound good, right? <laughs> so uh, so the brain slows down, you can feel sluggish, tired, um, heart rate can slow down, uh, bowel motility slows down so people can become constipated, kind of bloated feeling, um, and uh, periods can become heavier. Mm. So every part of the body can be affected. Hair, skin can get drier, coarser. So for though for per, women in perimenopause and menopause though a lot of these there's a lot of overlap for sure. So how do we know that it's not just you know womanly changes that woman are making, problems? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I mean, if so, looking at the whole picture, I mean, if they're, you know, I think that the final answer is going to be you're going to do lab test to mm -hmm. see because the symptoms, like you said, there is so much overlap. Um, we can see certain parts of the history that might make us more suspicious for thyroid disease. Certainly if there's a family history of thyroid disease, if you have a thyroid enlargement called a goiter, if you have thyroid antibodies, if you have other autoimmune issues, all of those things are going to raise your suspicion for thyroid disease. But I think, and then some of the more specific symptoms, you know, maybe feeling cold, that's mm -hmm. going to be more common for low thyroid. Of course, with perimenopause, we're thinking more about heat intolerance, hot flashes, night sweats. Mm -hmm. 
constipation again, although that can happen with perimenopause too. So a lot of symptom overlap. We're, we're generally going to be relying on the labs to help differentiate that. Mm-hmm. So speaking of labs, um, Amanda on Facebook asked, uh, if I suspect thyroid issues, what tests should I ask my doctor to run? Yeah, yeah, good question. So it, it depends on you know, who you are and what your background is, basically. So if, um, generally speaking, for most people, the TSH is gonna provide the answer because again, the TSH is gonna become abnormal long before the T4 looks abnormal. Your T4 on your lab result might be a little bit low for you, but the only way we know that is by checking the TSH and seeing that it's overtly elevated. Mm. So the TSH is a good start. Um, If there's a high concern for autoimmune disease, and so again, that's going to be that family history or maybe a personal history of other autoimmune disease. If you've gotten an enlarged thyroid, if you've gotten certain uh, appearance of your thyroid on imaging, if you, for whatever reason, have had thyroid imaging, then you might be thinking more about autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's, uh, and uh, then you might also ask for an antibody panel, TPO antibodies, thyroglobulin antibodies. And the ways those can be useful, if, if, you know, if we see somebody who's got a mild thyroid abnormality, their TSH is just mildly abnormal, but they also have a family history and their thyroid antibodies are elevated, we know that it's a little bit more likely to progress to a more significant degree of underactive thyroid than somebody who doesn't have those other factors. Mm. So t- sometimes it can help us decide in whom and when, how soon we're gonna start treatment. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the antibodies can be helpful. The T4, the actual thyroid hormone level itself, the main uh, time that we check that is if we are thinking at all that there could be not an issue with the thyroid itself, but with your pituitary gland. Mm -hmm. And so that is going to be something in your history. And the biggest obvious one would be pituitary surgery. Mm -hmm. If you've had pituitary surgery, if you've had radiation to your head and neck for some Mm -hmm. prior tumor, so I'm not Mm -hmm. talking about dental x-rays, but I'm talking about prior therapeutic radiation for a, a prior tumor, that's gonna put you at risk for pituitary disease, major tra- head trauma. Mm-hmm. So major head trauma usually landing you in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Those history, uh, those those things in your history might make us kind of scratch our head and think, well, maybe this isn't a thyroid condition, but actually a pituitary condition. Mm-hmm. And that's when that T4 is gonna be uh, useful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you touched, you, you mentioned treatment, you know, what is the treatment for hypothyroidism? And we heard from Carrie on Facebook that her medication raised her heart rate. So when you talk about the treatments, could you also talk a bit about the side effects? Because I think an elevated heart rate, that to me is something a runner is going to pick up on. Sure. Far more than a sedentary person. Yeah, for sure. We have all these biometrics, right? <laughs> Measuring our heart rate, heart rate overnight, heart rate during exercise. So, so there should there there really shouldn't be side effects of thyroid hormone replacement itself because mm. it's the same hormone that we're giving you back that your thyroid normally makes on its own and our goal is to just restore you to normal levels mm-hmm. you know we don't want to overtreat you by any means because that can cause problems um the heart rate might go up a little bit with treatment and i would say if that dose looks like a good dose for you otherwise your labs look good you feel good you're not having other symptoms of too much thyroid hormone I would imagine before treatment, that heart rate that you were having was probably a little bit lower mm. than your usual genetic potential and, and based on your current you know, level of health and fitness. Um, so the heart rate could go up a little bit um, as your underactive treat- thyroid is treated. Um, if you're having runs of elevated heart rate, um, that can certainly be a sign that that thyroid dose is too high for you and then the dose should be reduced. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you were just talking about 
hypothyroidism, but what about the opposite, hyperthyroidism? Yeah. Yeah, so hyper, meaning overactive thyroid, so too much thyroid hormone. Um, so this one is actually a little bit easier, I have to say, to pick up on. The, with the low thyroid symptoms, they're very nonspecific. Many things can cause them other than thyroid conditions, and they're just very common in the general population. Hyperthyroidism has a little bit more of a unique profile, a, a bit more of a unique picture to it. Um, so that means the thyroid is making too much thyroid hormone, and instead of everything slowing down, everything speeds up. Um, so people can feel very anxious, thoughts racing, heart racing, um, loose stools, frequent stools, feeling warm all the time. Um, sometimes people lose weight, but not always. Oh, so huh. metabolism, that's always the one part that people want to keep from their overactive thyroid. I know, which... right? Some, some, you know, you hear somebody gets diagnosed and they're like, oh, lucky dog. And it's like, no, that's not, it's not something you wish upon <laughs> someone. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is whenever you lose weight for an unhealthy reason, it always comes back as <laughs> soon as the medical condition is treated. I've never had somebody lose weight from their, you know, their overactive thyroid, and then everything else gets better, but they, they keep the weight off. It just doesn't happen. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the other thing is your appetite speeds up. So I've also had people diagnosed with an overactive thyroid mm -hmm. and they're gaining weight because mm -hmm. despite their metabolism increasing, their appetite is really stimulated and they're eating beyond the increased metabolism, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So, um, so an overactive thyroid is a, again, a, a little, has a, a few more specific features. There's a few exam findings that we look for that make it a little bit easier to pick up on. And again, the labs will confirm it, um, that the thyroid is overactive. Mm -hmm. So Fawn, does exercise of any sort have any impact positive or negative on thyroid health? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I can say generally <laughs> that exercise is, is good for your whole body, clearly. It's good for your mind, it's good for your body. I don't know that it specifically supports thyroid function. Um, I will say that, you know, the better shape you are going into any illness, you're going to fare better. Mm -hmm. um, and you're gonna be, you know, starting from a higher place, maybe not get quite so low in terms of how you feel, and then be able to bounce back a little bit quicker in terms of your your muscle strength and your stamina and all those things. Um, but the flip side, you know, I think a lot of people uh, sort of beat themselves up because they think, well, I'm doing everything right. I'm eating well. I'm healthy. I'm exercising. Why am I feeling this poorly from this condition? They almost take it as a sign of weakness. And that's not the case at all. You know, mm -hmm. you can be in very good shape and have a severe illness that knocks you to your feet. Um, and it's no reflection on uh, how are you, you were living your life previously. Mm -hmm. So I think exercise is good, good in general. I don't know that it specifically supports the thyroid, but it's it's never a bad thing to have that you know, going on your side, going into the illness. Um, we uh, can, I know this has been uh, mentioned a few times recently on the podcast, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but there is this concept of the relative energy deficiency in sport or REDS. Mm. When people get into that cycle of overtraining, mm -hmm. um, probably underfueling, and that can have a myriad of effects on all of your hormone systems mm -hmm. in your body. And the thyroid's uh, is not immune to that. Mm -hmm. So we can see some unique thyroid lab abnormalities in people who are in that state of overtraining, mm -hmm. which can sometimes be a bit confusing because they don't line up with the typical thyroid conditions that we would think about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you so, and that. Yeah. And speaking of nutrition on Facebook, Lisa asked, she said, I see ads about foods or products that can support thyroid health. Um, and, and is that a thing? Right. Well, yeah, it's a thing for the people selling you the supplements. I would say yeah. it's a very profitable, <laughs> profitable thing. Uh, no, but there are a couple. Yeah, this is a very popular uh, thing, you know, the clickbait for sure. Um, but there, there are definitely some good things to think about there. So um, 
so iodine is uh, is a uh, necessary for thyroid hormone production. And so iodine plays a huge role. Fortunately, in the United States, we tend to be an iodine sufficient land. So we have iodine rich soil. Um, the vast majority of people who live in the United States have adequate iron, oh. iodine hmm. in their systems. Um, we mainly get iodine from uh, dairy. Uh, and uh, seafood and then iodized salt we mm -hmm. iodize our salt here so the only time we really see people who are iodine deficient is potentially in people who don't eat any dairy or seafood and they avoid iodized salt that could that could potentially lead to some iodine deficiencies um so what i would tell you um is you're probably iodine sufficient it's not a bad idea if you take a multivitamin to make sure it has uh the, you know the rda for iodine in it when you're pregnant, you should make sure you're getting enough iodine because then you're also supporting the, the baby's thyroid as well. Um, but you really need to be careful to avoid overdoing it with iodine. So I've seen mm -hmm. far more problems caused by iodine supplements than I've seen them help um, mm -hmm. since we're, we iodize our salt here and we're generally fine. Um, but probably once a year, I see somebody who has a thyroid condition that was tipped over by the iodine supplement they're taking. Wow. So too little iodine is a bad thing, but too much iodine is a bad thing as well. Um, so most of us can handle about five to maybe even 10 times the recommended daily allowance for iodine. But if you get beyond that, um, it can be irritating to people who have uh, a predisposition to thyroid disease. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the iodine causes the thyroid disease, but it can, you know, you might be compensated with your thyroid disease and doing fine. And then if you add way too much iodine to it, it could tip you over into a state of thyroid dysfunction. Mm. I'm pleased to hear about you saying that, um, that you rarely see people who are iodine deficient because you know i use i use sea salt i yeah. use kosher salt all these things you know there's all it's there's many salt as there are flowers practically for sure and yeah um and so i was like i need to make sure i buy the morton's iodine right. salt and use it and sometimes i'll do that like instead i'll be like no I'm not going to use the kosher salt in the muffins. I'm going to use the I need iodine. my iodine. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Any any seafood has it. Uh -huh. uh, and then any dairy products. Uh -huh. They use betadine to cl clear, uh, clean the cow's udders. Oh. So all of our <laughs> cow's milk products have iodine oh, in them. I thought maybe it came through, the, since you said our soil has iodine. Yeah. In it, I thought maybe it came through the grass somehow. And I saw this big whole probably, circle of life thing. There's probably that cycling <laughs> as well. Yes. Yeah. Mine's a little more romantic. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Yeah. So, so iodine's a big one. Um, and then people also talk about uh selenium is the other thing that you'll read about and i would say if you've got uh autoimmune thyroid disease uh then sel if you're going to take a, sel a supplement selenium should be it because there is some decent data to show that selenium can reduce those thyroid antibody levels um we don't have great long-term data yet to show if it actually preserves thyroid function but we do have some short-term studies that are encouraging so if you're going to take a, a supplement i would say take selenium and everything else just really doesn't have much data behind it. Um, I hear all the time from people who have thyroid conditions that they avoid all soy, they avoid all cruciferous vegetables, and you absolutely do not need to do that. Each mm -hmm. one of those things has a nugget of truth of them, <laughs> as is so often the case. Uh -huh. um, but everybody can eat typical quantities of raw cruciferous vegetables and soy. And you might be thinking, why is she talking about this? This seems so random, but these are the things that get talked about all the time with thyroid disease. I got tofu and cauliflower in my fridge right now. You're good, now. you're good. Yeah, <laughs> your thyroid will be fine. We'll be fine. Um, so I also read that weather changes can affect your thyroid. Um, I, so we're going into summer right now. It seemed like maybe it's a cold weather thing. I don't know, like, or yeah. is that? all 
just is it true can weather yeah no there's some there's some interesting things there so the weather does not cause thyroid disease but your thyroid labs might look slightly different in the winter than they do in the summer okay um and it, it, it it's a compensatory mechanism we think so it's part of the you know the, the your body trying to improve thermoregulation Oh. And so it's it's the body being smart. So it's the brain trying to make uh, your thyroid make a little bit more thyroid hormone to keep you warm. So oh. TSH might go up slightly, um, but it doesn't mean you have an underactive thyroid. It's not a disease state. It's just seasonal variations, hmm. basically. Um, but this really speaks to one point that I don't think I made earlier that um, you, generally speaking, unless your thyroid labs are off the charts and you have you know a classic symptoms of thyroid disease, if you have just mild thyroid abnormalities on your labs, you really don't want to start a thyroid medication based on that just just that one draw yeah. for several reasons um often if you have a mild abnormality when you check it again in three months it'll be back to normal it's oh. just a normal variation flip in thyroid uh uh you know hormone production um and that also speaks to the, the finding in the winter so you know if you have a slight abnormality in the winter you're not going to want to start thyroid hormone based on that one result regardless you're going to want to repeat it in three to six months and just see if it's any different mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's reassuring yeah Okay, so Sarah on Twitter asks this question, for runners who've had their thyroid removed, are there any specific tips or words of encouragements for them? Yeah, yeah, well, I certainly have words of encouragement. I see a lot of patients uh, who have had thyroid cancer, so they've had their thyroids removed entirely. And I can say that the vast majority of them feel back to their normal selves once we get them on the optimal dose of thyroid hormones. So that's clearly maybe different than what you would read <laughs> on the internet or on blogs. Uh, but uh, the vast majority of people do feel back to their normal selves once we get them on, uh, you know, an optimal dose for them, which could take, you know, maybe we get it right the very first time, but it could take, you know, six months, 12 months, potentially. Um, there are a small subset of people who just don't quite feel the same after their thyroid surgery. I'm not going to lie, that does happen. And when that's the case, we do have a couple of things that we can try in terms of their thyroid hormone replacement. Sometimes adding in uh, a second type of thyroid hormone, T3, can be useful in that situation, sometimes not. Um, so there are things that we can try, but the vast majority of people feel well. Um, I will say that for somebody who has had their entire thyroid removed, um, they do probably need to be a bit more fastidious with how they take their thyroid hormone replacement. So for somebody who just has a mildly underactive thyroid and they're using the thyroid hormone replacement uh, to replace what their thyroid is no longer making on their own, if, if we don't get the dose quite right, if it's a little too high, a little too low, the body is going to be able to compensate with that, buffer that, and uh, get your thyroid levels stable. If you don't have any thyroid hormone production in your body anymore because you've had your entire thyroid removed, um, you're completely relying on that pill. And so you do need to be pretty consistent with how you're taking it. You, know, you want to take it about the same way each day um, and not miss pills uh, and that type of thing. So you do have to be a little bit more cautious and uh, watchful, I would say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So and you touched on uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis earlier. Our next guest was recently diagnosed with it. So she'll go into details about her symptoms and experience. But can you as a medical doctor, can you talk a bit about what it is? And I don't know, signs of it, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So Hashimoto's is the name we give to autoimmune thyroid disease. So mm -hmm. it's uh, so the immune system, of course, is normally just supposed to fight off colds and flus, it's supposed to fight off foreign tissue, basically. 
And with autoimmune disease, your immune system is making a mistake and it's mistaking your own tissue for foreign tissue mm -hmm. and mounting a response against that tissue, which then causes inflammation and sometimes dysfunction. Um, we actually see a number of people in the earliest stages of Hashimoto's who still have completely normal thyroid function. We can tell that they have the inflammation there. They might have an enlarged thyroid. It might look different on ultrasound. They have the antibodies, but their thyroid function is, has remained normal. Um, but then over time, as it progresses, then we'll start to see mild followed by more significant degrees of, of thyroid dysfunction. Mm -hmm. um, so the reality is we might not treat it much differently than somebody who has an underactive thyroid from some other cause. Um, but I still think it's good to know that Hashimoto's is what's causing your underactive thyroid uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we might choose to treat it sooner than we would somebody else because we think it's likely going to be progressive. Um, it's also helpful for me as a physician, and I think the patient as well, to know that they have an autoimmune condition because that puts you on a little higher alert for other autoimmune conditions. Mm -hmm. So if you have Hashimoto's and then you start to feel tired or have other, other symptoms, uh, we might you know, be on a higher alert to check for autoimmune conditions, maybe adrenal disease, rheumatoid arthritis, those types of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. All right, well, this was very enlightening. Thank you very much for coming in, Fawn. Well, you're welcome. It was so great to talk with you. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah and Tish. Our next guest is April Hopkins, another mother runner with two school-age kiddos. April and her family live in Bakersfield, California. As I mentioned in the last question with Fawn, April was recently diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease. And April was unable to record on the same day as as Fawn, so uh, due to end of school activities, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. Um, so it's just April and me. So welcome, April. Hi, Sarah. So I'm so pleased you could hop on the pod and we'll do our best not to just talk about Taylor Swift and, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer like we did at our Hilton Head retreat in February. Yes. yes. <laughs> Although I don't see anything wrong with talking no. only about Taylor Swift. So. Me neither. I can go on and on. Yes. Yes. And yes. On. <laughs> All right. So let's start like we always do. Share your running background, please. All right. Well, I grew up, I did not play any sports. I was not active at all. And then in my 20s, my friend was a runner and she asked me if I wanted to run with her. And she gave me like an old pair of her hmm. running shoes that were too small. And <laughs> I put them on and I started running with her and we did a few 5Ks together. And then she kind of stopped running and I just kept running and um, I've never stopped. So it's been about 20 years. And I've stopped, you know, during pregnancy and here and there, but I had a running stroller and I put those babies in and I got back to it when I could. Oh my gosh. I love that you kept doing it and the friend who got you involved doesn't run anymore. No. And I've lost touch with her. I don't know what she does, but yeah, we just kind of stopped running together and there was a little park by my house and I would go after work every day and I would just run around it. And I started going one time around the park and then two times around the park. And I just kept going. And one day I was out there and there was an older lady out there and she said, wow, you you could run a marathon. You're like a marathon runner out here all the time. So Aww. that's when I felt, I felt like, oh yeah, I kind of am a runner now, I guess. <laughs> and I just stuck with it. That external validation. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So you recently got to run part of what I and many other folks consider one of the most scenic races in the U.S., Big Sur Marathon. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So tell us a bit about that adventure. 
Well, I was not trained at all for it. <laughs> um, I kind of, um, the last few months I've kind of fallen, I hadn't been training. I've been running just not long distances. So I just went out there with a, let's see what happens. And when I got there, it's like a huge party. You, you take a bus at like five in the morning mm-hmm. and it drops you off at this ranch. It drives up. So you feel the whole route mm-hmm. and you can feel, oh, I really am going to do 11 miles. Okay. And it drops you off at this ranch where it's like a party and there's Starbucks and there's a DJ. And mm-hmm. um, I made so many friends there and a lot of people were just walking the 11 miler. Mm-hmm. So that made me feel good that I could run it and be fine, or I could walk it and be fine. And I ended up doing like a run walk. I walked <laughs> up those hills. I am not going to lie. That was the hilliest thing I've ever done in my life. Yes. Yes, it is. And my toes hurt after because of the downhills. Oh, yeah. My, I guess my toes were just pounding into my shoes. I'm just, I live in a very flat area. If I want to do hills, I get on the treadmill or mm-hmm. I run on, and people make fun of me. They were making fun of me at the retreat. I run on the freeway on ramp. You do <laughs> not. But it's a very, it's a small freeway. It's a very <laughs> small freeway on ramp. People were making fun of me and I'll run up and down that if I want to do hills. Oh so. my gosh. And the police have never come over and been like, ma'am, ma'am. It's, it's a very small, like it's in my neighborhood. It's like a crosstown freeway is what they call it. It's not like the interstate or anything. Okay. So it's not to I-5 or something. No, it's not to I-5. It's <laughs> just to get from one part of town to the next part of town. So it's not a lot. It's not okay. bad, but okay. But anyway, it was, it was very hard and I did not have a good pace. I did not finish in a, in a good time, but I had a good time. So, and it's and so, so beautiful. Stephanie Bruce. And then I met Stephanie Bruce afterwards. So that was really fun. So cool. Yeah. You sent that picture. That was awesome. Yes, yeah. Was yeah. Yes. Awesome. All right. So, well, let's talk thyroid. So the good doc that we had on already told us what Hashimoto's is, but how about you tell us what it how it presented itself in your body, both when you're running and when you were just living your best life. Okay. So, and it's all, I've just been diagnosed very recently. So it's all very new to me. So I'm probably don't have any of the terms, right. But this is how it was for me. Mm-hmm. I just over the last, I'll say in 2020 is when I noticed it, but that's when everybody felt bad. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> felt good. And my husband went from working from home to working out of town in like August, 2020. So after being at home and all of us hunkered down at home, he went to work out out of town and only came home on the weekends, but my kids were still here and we were kind of still trapped in the house. I just didn't feel great. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt tired all the time. I gained weight I just had no energy, felt kind of depressed, still got out every day and ran, but man, I just felt like my legs were cinder blocks. I just Mm -hmm. felt like I was running through quicksand and it was hot in the summertime and it gets hot here, but it was different. And so I've never been super fast runner, but I went from running, running like a 1230 pace to like a 14, 15 minute pace. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't, and I couldn't get any faster. And even I trained 
and did the virtual Boston Marathon in October 2021. And I did heart rate training last summer. And I just felt like my training was so terrible because it was like my heart rate shot up as soon as I took a few steps and I spent so much time walking. Mm. So over the years, you know, I've had weight problems here and there, and I've had my thyroid tested and my husband has had thyroid issues for years and he's like a thin person. And it makes me so mad that I'm like, how, how skinny would you be if you had a normal thyroid? Like this isn't fair. So I've had my thyroid tested and it's just been, you know, it's normal. It's normal. It's within range. Mm -hmm. So finally I had just a regular physical in November of last year. Mm -hmm. And my levels came back as too high. Hmm. So like I had hyperthyroidism hmm. and I told my doctor, I'm going to be really mad if I'm chubby and my thyroid works too well. <laughs> like that's not fair. So he said, no, these numbers are like off the charts high. I'm going to test you for antithyroid antibodies. So he did. And of course they came back and I had an ultrasound and it came back. I don't know the term, but I don't have the nodules, I guess that some people mm -hmm. have, but I have something on my thyroid. So he did diagnose me with Hashimoto's, but I did not get any treatment yet because as he told me, I, so I had another blood test and this time my levels are back normal. Mm. So he said, it'll kind of go back and forth. I guess they're called flare ups mm. and my levels will go up and down and I will get tested every six months. And when they are, when I'm in like hypothyroidism, then I will get put on a synthetic, um, thyroid hormone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But until then I just, it's kind of a waiting game, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that's frustrating. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then my husband was just diagnosed with Hashimoto's because when I, when I found out that I had it, he asked his doctor, can I get tested for the antibodies? And he has it, but he's already been on Synthroid for years. Mm. So he's getting that taken care of. And I'm just kind of waiting. <laughs> so, <seeing> so, what <laughs> so when you had told me before this, that your husband was also diagnosed, it just made me think like, do y'all live in like some sort of like thyroid related, like love canal, which is probably too <laughs> old of a reference for you to get, but like, uh, you know, so my husband looked into like, what would like, is an environmental? Yeah, that's but, what I mean. Yeah. But it is caused, it can be caused by radiation, but they're like Japan radiation, not okay. like, mm -hmm. yeah, or like cancer radiate, cancer treatment radiation. So mm -hmm. as far as I can tell on Google, nothing, <laughs> no, like in the air or anything. I'm like, do we have mold? Like what's happening? But uh, yes, I think it's in, it's rare for men to have it. It's like oh. one in seven, I think. Huh. Wow. Yeah, wow. So yeah. Huh. Huh. So even more frustrating that then he gets to have treatment for it and you're just waiting. So. I am so I'm just so happy for him that he has treatment. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> that's the way to, that you're so supportive. I said that through gritted teeth, but I really, I am because I know what it feels like. I'm to be tired. I just feel mm -hmm. tired. Mm -hmm. So I have to fight. I have to fight through that. So yeah. I'm just kind of fighting through that. Mm. Mm. And would you say that's the major symptom that's problematic for you? 
Well, and the not being able to lose weight is really annoying. Is mm-hmm. you know, I get up at five every morning and I'm running or strength training or on the Peloton and I eat, you know, an average diet. I'm not eating a crazy fatty diet or anything. And to be to not be able to lose weight is annoying. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. That's annoying. Yeah. 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 Um well, I hope you do know that you are beautiful the way you are. I've I've only I've only seen you in person since February, and um, we need video for this, despite the fact that you are in a closet recording this. But because uh, <laughs> you're because you're really truly the the cutest, most ebullient person I have met in the past several years. So thank you, Sarah. I love you too. Oh yeah, yeah. So so definitely uh, bonded. We had it. We definitely hit it off. We did. We sure did. We sure did. Um, so have you? altered your approach to fitness or running because of your diagnosis or because of this extreme fatigue that you're feeling? Well, I feel like I almost had a pity party about it when I was Mm. diagnosed and kind of thought, well, I'm going to listen to my body. And if my body says, you know, take it easy, I'm going to take it easy. And I took it too easy, (laughs) which is why I struggled in Big Sur. And even at the quarter marathon in Hilton had, I really struggled. So I took it too easy. So I'm kind of kicking my own butt right now and not going too hard, but like, Hey, I can't use this as an excuse. I, I have to get out there and keep going and, and try to do the best I can. I can't sit around and go, Oh, I, I have Hashimoto. So (laughs) I'm just back to getting up early and getting my workout in. And if I have to take some walk breaks, I take walk breaks, but I've actually been, you know, I do many happy miles and I've just been sticking with it and doing every workout and I'm getting a little faster. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's, I don't know, I'm getting a little bit faster and I, I feel like my energy levels a little bit back up again, just from, because I wasn't getting up early. I was kind of doing one of those, I'll work out when I feel like it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need that five o'clock alarm and I need to get out. Even if it's just a walk, not just a walk. I love a walk, but even if it's a walk or it's a run or it's whatever, I need to get up at five in the morning, get it done and be yeah. done with it. And I do feel like that's helped with my energy levels. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also that sense of accomplishment that, that, you know, you kind of like tuck into your back pocket when life gets hard during the rest of the day. For sure. And then when you want to sit on the couch (laughs) later on in the day, you know, oh, well, I got that done. I'm done. I'm good. (laughs) I just started watching Made for Love last night on HBO. Speaking of sitting on the couch. Um, are you, have you watched? I don't know what that is. I feel like I'm the only person who, who watches it. Um, it's, uh, it's sci-fi about tech and this, you know, this basically this um, Google like, you know, founder of Sergey Brin type guy who wants to have an implant in his head so that his wife and he can be a, like share all their thoughts and all this stuff. Ooh, no. and she she no. tries to escape. <laughs> anyway, it's told I, I, I uh, lounge for five straight episodes. Of it. Granted, it's only a half hour. But anyway, um, just made me think Ooh, of sitting I on the like couch. It. Yeah, I yeah. like a good binge. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so anyway, so back to the topic. Um, okay. Final question. Do you have any advice for other gals or maybe those one in seven guys who think there might be something funky going on with their thyroid? Ask for the antibody test. Mm. If my levels had not been high at my appointment in November, 
I would have gone to the doctor in November, a whole year would have gone by and maybe I would never have been diagnosed. You know, if, if your levels are in range and I don't even know what in range is because I've looked at my levels sometimes and I think those look kind of very low at the bottom. Um, no one would ever know, you know? So I think ask, ask for the antibody test. That's what my husband did. He had, Mm. he's had hypothyroidism for as long as I can remember, we've been together 15 years. He's had it for years and years. Mm. So, and he, all, he just had to ask for it. So, you know, advocate, advocate for yourself. There you go. There you go. I like it. All right. Well, um, I don't know, maybe give us an update occasionally on Facebook or something like that for if you end up you know, also being lucky enough to, to get some treatment for it. So yes, yes, I will do that. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Well, lovely talking with you, April. Take good care. This was fun. Thank you, Sarah. Bye. Bye. All right. Got big news. We just introduced Wazelle co-branded shorts. What, what? Um, yes, Wazelle, you may not know how to pronounce it. It's O-I-S-E-L-L. It's a by women for women brand up in Seattle that we just adore their running gear. So we uh, got two pairs of shorts from them, a mid-length pocket jogger with massive pockets on either thigh and then a big phone size one on the back um, and then more kind of track shorts they're classic roga and we put a cute version cute colorful version of our logo on it we are just so excited for them if you uh, follow us on instagram you might have seen dimity in her mid-length pocket joggers uh, on Thursday doing her um, strength workout in them they are just cute 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 and they are limited edition so dash run get your butt over to anothermotherrunner.com you can look under the drop down either for shorts or running bottoms they're both there and because they're limited edition so once they're gone they are gone so again our wazelle co-branded shorts really thrilled about them get at least one pair for yourself our podcast today was produced in portland oregon by alex ward from sounds like pictures many happy miles 